Today, I sit down with my friend and chief operating officer of Tron Solar, Arnell Caddick. Stay tuned. This is Jamie Kane with the Everyday Edge. Welcome back to another Saturday sit-down series. Today, I am with my personal friend and chief operating officer of Tron Solar, Arnell Caddick. How you doing, man? Hey, Jamie. I'm good, brother. Thanks for having me on the show, man. Absolutely. I'm pumped to have you. I'm excited to just have a conversation with you, man. You've, you've helped me a lot through some personal stuff. I'm excited to see what value comes out today. I'm going to leave the floor open for you for just a minute to kind of give us a short little synopsis of who you are, where you come from, what you're doing now, and then we'll jump into the interview. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my name is Arnell Caddick. I currently work as a COO for Tron Solar. We're based out of uh, Buffalo Grove, Illinois, but I do live in uh, good old Boise, Idaho, the best state in the nation. Love it. No place like it. A uh, little background on me. I actually came to the United States as a refugee back in 1997 uh, when I was 10 years old. Uh, took my family and I about uh, two and a half years or so to escape. Uh, we went through a lot of evil stuff. Um, you know, thank the Lord that we were given a second chance at life. We ended up escaping to Germany, lived in Germany from uh, 94 to 97 ish. And then we moved to the States, like I said, when I was 10, came to this country, didn't speak English, um, was just a little uh, scared kid that loved basketball, kind of let my, uh, you know, spread my wings a little bit. Uh, we moved to San Jose, California. And then in 2001, my parents picked up and uh, moved us to good old uh, Idaho. And, um, I was 14 when we got to Idaho, and uh, I went to high school here, uh, ended up going to Boise State. I got two different degrees. Um, after Boise State, I went and worked in the corporate sector for a little bit. I was an operations manager and then a director of operations. And then, uh, believe it or not, I had this childhood dream of wanting to wear a uniform and help people out. And so I actually became a police officer for the Meridian Police Department. And uh, it was really amazing. Uh, it was a great career. And in that meantime, uh, I found my love for business, um, started a couple companies, uh, failed miserably a couple different <laughs> times, uh, had, you know, a couple successes here and there. But uh, now I enjoy, uh, you know, helping lead a company of uh, 34, 35, 40 people and uh, just growing and uh, giving back. That's awesome, man. I love that. And your current company is, is Tron Solar, right? Yeah. When, when was Tron Solar founded? And kind of give us the backstory on that real quick. So I'm going to have to rewind back a, a decent amount. But um, Tron Solar was founded by a guy named Lester Gray, who, believe it or not, I went to high school with. Um, he uh, he went on his mission right after high school. And uh, we kind of lost we lost touch. We lost base for about 12 years. And he went into the door knocking industry. I went into I went to college and, you know, took the traditional route, so to say, where, you know, my parents were super heavy and go to school, get your degrees and, you know, have all this debt lined up and, you know, everything else. So um, but Lester and I connected uh, several years back and uh, he actually invited me to join one of his other companies um, that was called GC Solar in Utah, where he had several partners lined up there. And I was a VP of operations for them there. And um, it was a nice little run. And uh, I was pretty quick to realize uh, about four months into my position when I was looking at books and everything that 
they were in big time trouble financially and that over, uh, you know, $250,000 a month just in expenses. And it just wasn't a pretty situation. Um, so that company went bankrupt, unfortunately. Um, but it was a lot of really good learning lessons uh, for him, especially. Um, he's one of the um, most well-rounded people I've ever met. Uh, I respect him a tremendous amount. Um, the stuff that he went through with that company, he, he, he learned a lot. He made big mistakes. It's never fun letting go of 80 employees, right? So there was a lot of a lesson learned from him, a lot of lessons learned for me as far as uh, making strategic and tactical decisions before I go on board and join companies. So long story short, we separated, went our own ways again, and um, I went into the mortgage industry, uh, found some pretty good success with that. And then uh, always had kind of my um, operations company called CalOps, where I was consulting with different solar teams. And then uh, he hit me up, said, hey, can you essentially start consulting for us and seeing kind of what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. And he was out in Chicago and they were selling like 50 to 70 deals a month. So I flew out there, kind of took a look at what they're doing and was like, man, you guys are doing some really, really good things. He had about seven or eight people on his team and they were uh, very, very solid individuals, high caliber people. And a couple months later, I decided to, you know, uh, get on board and uh, help them grow all their operations. And uh, I actually just hit my one year anniversary with Tron Solar uh, exactly uh, one year and four days ago. Or I'm sorry, exactly four days ago. Yeah, it's got it's got to be a good feeling to stay where you enjoy what you're doing. Right. Like, I feel like like one thing that. I think we have in common is I don't like using the word jump around, but we've, we have had experiences of, of movement, right. Of change in our careers. And I think a big part of that and what a lot of people don't understand is that's just trying to get, find a good fit. It's trying to find a fit where we, where we belong and where we believe that we bring the most value. Right. And how do you, when, when you're making those movements, cause it, it seems like a lot of, vertical movement before it was or a horizontal movement before it was vertical movement right um how did you kind of keep like your mindset right because i know for a lot of people that can kind of seem draining when you're jumping from place to place and not building a uh like not like not building a a foundation yeah so for me it all started uh my entire life the jobs that i've had until i started looking in a business and being an entrepreneur were very, very good jobs. I mean, as a police officer, I was making 85, you know, 70 to 85,000 with overtime, really great benefits, great retirement. I was always content, but I was never happy because in my mind, I always believed I am capable of doing so much more as far as a business standpoint goes. And um, so when I took that leap and I went down to Utah and uh, that company went down south, uh, for me, I know that uh, one thing in life that I figured out is uh, I'm very good at two or three different things. And for me, I understand the value that I bring to a company and the value that I bring to a company, I can put a number to it. Right. And so when you know exactly what your value is, what you seek is people with the same mission where your value can contribute to the bottom line of their company. And so there was a couple of what I consider lateral moves where I went from one place to another and then to another, and then finally found a place that I can be myself and my value can help build and 
make a company profitable. And that's kind of where I'm at with Tron. I've been there for a year just to give you some stats because I actually just typed up the big old thing to my team yesterday. We went from having uh, four to five employees to just hiring our 34th employee a couple days ago. We did over $10 million in revenue. We won the Two Comma Club Award through ClickFunnels, which was something huge for us. We're actually uh, filling out the paperwork for the Two Comma Club X now, which was phenomenal. Um, we in-house installs. Uh, we started as a sales organization, in-house installs. And the thing that I'm most proud of is that we've developed a very phenomenal team, but the $10 million in revenue and everything that we've built out so far, we have done with zero debt. And when you're building a company, it's very hard to continue building and doing the right things and not acquiring a bunch of debt. But I've stuck to my guns on that and it's paid off tremendously for us. Yeah, I love that. You said you know your value. How, how, if you were sitting down with somebody that is just beginning their career that is maybe having the same realization that you had of, I want to be an entrepreneur or maybe not even, I want to be an entrepreneur, but I want to be on the ground level of something amazing because there's a lot of people. And I want to preface that real quick because something that Gary V talked about um, in one of his podcasts a while ago that stuck with me is like, just because you're like, like not the entrepreneur, not the like guy that founded the company, doesn't mean you can't be a phenomenal like two or three or four because those guys freaking make bank and live awesome lives and create a lot of value for a lot of people. It's finding that out. So like as somebody that is entrepreneurial, what would you give your, what advice would you give to somebody that is just starting their journey on how to find their value, how to know their value and then present it to the world or another company? Absolutely. I'm a huge believer that failure or failing, failure or failing, is the number one educator in the world. And a lot of my value and the things that I'm very good at are the exact things that I've failed in over and over and over again. So the way that I determine value in a person is based on their personal experiences in the position that they're actually being hired for. To give you an example, how this dynamic works at Tron Solar. So Lester is our CEO and he's the owner of the company. And he's phenomenal at just going and he's essentially the, the rocket ship, right? He, he's, he's the guy that's just jumping out of the airplane going, let's go, let's go, let's go. He's the yeah. visionary. And then I look at myself where I come in as an asset for Tron Solar is I'm the parachute. When he jumps out of the airplane, I'm the guy that, that's behind him and I'm the one that has to yank on the parachute to slow us down. So we know our dynamic. He knows his value for the last 14 years. He's built out sales teams, very, very large, very profitable sales teams, right? In the last 14 years, I've built out structures, profitability, processes, operations, and both of us have done that to, to, uh, with success, but also with a lot of failure behind it. So we're using our experiences and the last 12 to 14 years of our experiences is what makes our current value. So when you're looking for your value or when you're looking at what you can add as far as value goes to an organization, you have to dig deep and you have to look at all your failures and what you've learned from them. And every time that you learn from a failure, and by no means am I saying that I'm done failing because Lord knows I'm not. and Lord knows we fail daily, right? But I continuously learn from those failures. And I also try to make sure that my value brings companies, teams, business partners 
to avoid the mistakes that I made. I love that. I love that. I think, I think a lot of people get impatient with themselves when they're trying to figure out their place in this world, right? And they're trying to, um, I guess I, I, that's the best way to put it. They're trying to find their place in this world, right? And in order to do that, you've got to fail, okay? You've got to, you've got to mess up. You've got to figure things out. You've got to be embarrassed sometimes. You've got to be disappointed. And there's also times where you're going you're gonna to have extreme levels of success, and that helps you as well, right? Um, my personal question to you in that is how do you use that to progress yourself? Like not just in business, but like personally. Because I believe that how we how we become the people that we are internally with our integrity when, when we're behind closed doors directly affects who we are in a business sense, right? So how do you progress in doing so? And then how do you stay patient with that? Because that's a long game. It is a long game. And you're absolutely right. And, you know, if you read uh, David Goggins book, you know, one of the things that he talks about is is the callousing of the mind. Right. Doing all the hard things that nobody wants to do. And for me, the last four years since I've jumped out into this entrepreneurial journey like full time, I've had to callous my mind to do stuff I was completely uncomfortable doing, right? And also, along with all that callousing your mind to try new experiences, even though you might not want to, comes just simply the fact that, like, it's very hard to have a work-life balance. I know that people preach it, but Grant Cardone is one of those people that says, throw that out the window. If you read 10X and all those other books, he says, you just got to go do but I am a firm believer, though, that as, as, as good of a businessman that I consider myself to be, that I, likewise, I consider myself to be the same type of husband, the same type of father, the same type of uh, son, the same type of friend, the same type of business partner. It truly does come down to you have to be efficient and you have to be good with yourself in all aspects of life. Because regardless of what you do, the business game, defining your place in this world game is very long journey. And if you can't do it in your personal life, in your fitness life, in your spiritual life, in your relational life, and in your business life, you need all four, five, six of those parts in order to make it through this long game. So I keep telling myself over and over and over again, just be just a little bit better today than you were yesterday. And I think you mentioned on, on your podcast the other day, and I can't think of the lingo right now, but you said something about this is the podcast where you come to literally become 1% better every single day. And Jamie, I love that. I can't stress that enough because 1% every single day is 365% a year. You add yeah. that up over time. There's no reason for, for anyone not to be able to become a better human, better business person, better father, et cetera. So, yeah, I love that. Well, it's something that, you know, we, we've had some really good conversations with friend to friend. And one thing that we talked about was focusing on winning the day, right? And focusing on how you can do the most today, be the most effective today. And I feel like for me, that's what I have learned is that I feel overwhelmed when I think about my life as a whole. I feel very overwhelmed because I'm like, how am I going to get to the person that I envision? Because every night before I go to sleep, when I'm laying in bed, actually, I close my eyes and I envision the life and the person that I want to be. I envision my, my, you know, my wife is pregnant. Everybody, you know, the podcast audience knows that now. And it's she's a little baby girl on the way. We're really excited, right? And I think about like the man I want to be, 
not just as a husband now, but also as a father, as a mentor to that little girl, because I want her to be able to go on and take on the world, right? And I also want to supply the life that I didn't have growing up. And that's really cliche, but it's just a fact. Like, just like, not 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 just like you, because you had it a lot harder than me growing up, but we both didn't come from, like, our, our parents weren't multimillionaires. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I want to supply that for her, right? While also teaching her good values. Uh, my whole point with that is, is that when you look at, when you look at that whole thing as a whole, it's very overwhelming. But when you break it into days and just say, I'm going to be my very best today. That's what I'm focusing on. I'm not focused on being, you know, a phenomenal human being this week. It's just today. And if you, if you do that every single day, those weeks turn into years, months, and you kind of get what I'm saying, right? So we've talked about that. And what, so what would you say to people that feel overwhelmed? that feel like they know what they want, they know what they want to go achieve, and outside of the day-to-day, not outside of being 1% better every day, what's another piece of advice that you would give to them? Um, you know what? You, you, you touched on it. For me, all my teams and all the people that I talk to, including our conversations about life and in business as well, is it's always good to have a vision of who you want to be, where you want to go, and how you want to get there, right? And that vision has to be big enough to where it scares you. So, for example, you having a kid, you wanting to be a really good father, mentor, and getting this beautiful baby girl to be a very strong, independent woman one day, right? That's kind of scary when you really think about that. Like, that's a big burden. Like, you sitting in a sale and closing a solar system is nothing compared to the burden that you're going to be facing, like, getting this amazing, beautiful soul to be a very strong, independent, beautiful leader one day, right? But in order to get to that point, you have to literally dissect yourself as a person every single day and go, you know what? How do I become a better uh, salesperson today? So do you have a checklist? Are you doing two or three things that make you uncomfortable today? How many doors did you go knock today? Are you listening to a new podcast? Are you learning something new every single day? And guess what? As I told you before, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow comes with a whole different list of a bunch of different items that you cannot worry about until you get through all these items today. So at the end of the day, what it really comes down to is just plugging in and knowing that the things that you and your children are going to accomplish in this world are very great. But in order to get to the point of even being mediocre or good, you literally have to strip yourself down every single day and think about how do I do this and what do I need to do today that's going to make me that much of a better father, husband, closer, business owner tomorrow. Too many of us, and as you know this, too many of us focus on tomorrow. They stress about, man, what's going to happen Friday? Friday, I got this. Friday, I got that. We spend probably a solid three, four hours a day worrying so much about something that it's not even here yet to where if we invested those three or four hours into ourselves and into our mission today, we'd be that much better off. Yeah, absolutely. I think I love that, man, because that's that is so... I think that's I think that's a big problem of society today is that we not only do we focus on the future too much and the future problems that we need we can address when we need to cross that bridge right but we also seem to worry about other people's problems a lot more than we worry about ourselves um how do you there's a book out there called 12 Rules for, 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. It's a phenomenal book. I recommend anybody read it. One of the rules, I think it's rule six, 
is um, have your house in order before you start worrying about the world, right? Uh, how do you have your house in order? And because you're you're helping running, I mean, you're essentially running a company, right, with your partner, right? That ha- and you've you've hired on forty full time employees. You're doing millions of dollars in revenue, but you've got to. When, and when we talk about your house, we mean your physical house, your mental house, your spiritual house, like all those avenues we talked about. How do you focus on all of that first before moving on? And then when you do move on, how what do you do next to help the people around you? I'm going to be very frank here, and I hope this doesn't come off the wrong way. But at the end of the day, without this house, and when I say this house, I'm pointing to myself. Right. Uh, without this house, from a mental, spiritual, relational and you know I'm on this big-time fitness journey, so it's yeah. physical as well. Without yeah. this house, nothing in life exists. And what I mean by that is very simple. Um, look at Steve Jobs. Let's talk about him, one of the greatest entrepreneurs of all time, right? Look at what he did for the world. And guess what? He could have been the hardest worker, one of the wealthiest people in the world. Literally, when you script the life that guy had at all, it took him years to get to where he was at. There's people that camp for seven days to go get a new iPhone and he dies of cancer, right? So again, what it really comes down for me is without myself and my health and my family's health and my family in the corner supporting me. Now, don't get me wrong. There's been very tough times when you have to have a strong partner, a spouse that supports your crazy ideas and that's willing to hold on for the long run. And there's a times where you disappoint them, right? And uh, at the end of the day, you you grow closer and you become stronger together when you go through these struggles. But very important, before you go build out a company, build out a team, before you go out today to conquer your day, your own house has got to be taken care of. Your mental, spiritual, physical, relational, you got to have all those things in order. And that's what I continuously preach before you can even go out and start today off. So if those things are not in order, it's very hard to build a multi-million dollar company. It's very hard to go out and get 10 sales this week. It's very hard to go out and knock doors. It's very hard to go close a commercial deal. It's actually impossible to do all those things unless your house is on a great foundation and structure. So as somebody that leads people, that leads employees and teams, what's your number one piece of advice for leaders? that may be beginning their career? It's very simple. Uh, In order to be a good leader is the same thing that I look for when I hire new people into our company. And I actually dropped a video on it on Instagram last night. You yourself do not have to be the best closer in the world. You yourself, you don't have to be the most financially savvy person in the world. You yourself don't have to be the best marketer in the world. But what you have to be if you want to be a successful leader one day is you have to be one of the most resourceful people in the planet. You don't have to have an answer for everything in this world. But when your troops or somebody calls you and you don't know the answer, I always tell them, I'll call you right back. And I go and I dig and I dig and I dig and I always find an answer. So number one, you have to be resourceful. Number two is in direct correlation with that. You have to be solution oriented. Listen, every day in life, whether it's personal life or business, you're going to run into problems. It doesn't matter how little or how big those problems are. Our sales numbers down, 
Is revenue down? Are we paying extra for materials? The person that we hired, oh my goodness, you know, they're working overtime. You know, did we account for that in the budget, this and that? If you're not solution oriented, you're gonna let your problems control you instead of you control the problems. So another thing that a great leader or aspiring great leaders need to be is very solution oriented. If you're resourceful and you're uh, solution oriented, there's nothing that you can't tackle in this world. So Tony Robbins has a quote that says, you don't need resources, you need resourcefulness. And it's one of my favorite quotes of all time. Um, I think one of the issues that with that a lot of young professionals and up and coming entrepreneurs and even maybe even like, you know, middle of the road entrepreneurs that have been in the game for a little bit. A lot of people feel like that talents aren't skills. There's a difference, right? Like a talent is something that you're naturally born with. A skill is something that you may be born with, but you end up developing it more. Or you may not be born with it at all, but you, you decide like this is a talent that I want to develop. And so therefore it becomes a skill and you develop those skills, right? I personally believe that a lot of successful people um, may have a talent here or there, but more importantly, they've accumulated many, many skills, right? They learn how to be, they've learned how to be resourceful. And so in saying that, I believe resourcefulness may be a talent, but I believe more than anything it's a skill. How do you develop being more resource, resourceful? Again, I'm going to just go back to what I said earlier. You just develop by being a person that does not take no for an answer. You develop it by going out and doing things that make you extremely uncomfortable. Like, let's be honest. Let's ask the audience or let's take a poll or you just know in general, like, when is the last time that someone did something uncomfortable? 99% of people will go, you know what, Jamie, that, that's a great question for your podcast because I don't know when the last time that I did something that was uncomfortable. For me, like, man, listen, I'm, I just started training for a triathlon. Like, whoa, I just went and swam at the YMCA. I haven't swam probably in 10 years. I thought I was yeah. going to drown. So it right. made me extremely uncomfortable. But guess what? I got a couple laps in. I felt that much better about myself. So really what it comes down to is just don't take no for an answer. Push yourself, challenge yourself every day, and do things that make you uncomfortable every single day. I love that. I love that. Um, no, we all know that that pressure creates diamonds, right? But is there, a, is there a certain point in your mind when you're doing all these hard things that you do need a mental reset? And what would you say to that? Because I'm a big believer in 10X, big believer in Grant Cardone and, and Gary Vee and all those guys. Um, you know, we, you know, Russell Brunson, obviously, the guy's just a freaking go-getter all the time, go, go, go. But there's got to be a time where people reset. For me, when I do that, I honestly feel guilty when I, like, stop for a little bit and, like, take a mental reset I'm, I'm i maybe you feel the same way what would you say to that How, what would you say to people that that maybe don't take resets but probably should um well to be honest with you um the executive team at tron solar takes a reset about twice a week and when you have so much growth going it's a phenomenal thing it's a lot of energy it's a lot of power it's a lot of excitement but a lot of people forget that with growth also comes an enormous amount of headaches, an enormous amount of logistical issues. So there is at least twice a week where the CEO and myself get on the phone and go, you know what? 
I'm going to check out for the night. Like I'm not going to do anything work related. And for myself, um, a lot of people don't know this about me, but once a week I go get a full body massage and I make sure that it's a, you know, hot stone massage. And, uh, it's, it's literally 90 minutes long. And I make sure that it's one after hours. So it usually starts at 6 PM or later. And two, I don't bring my phone into the room because during that hour and a half or that 90 minutes, I can have anywhere between 10 to 12 voicemails, 20 missed calls, and probably 30 to 40 text messages. So for me, an hour and a half week of me time, not including the workout time that I go in the morning, obviously that's different, but just to decompress because I hold a lot of my stress in my shoulders and it works for me when I'm done with that massage. Like I feel like a new human, my, my mind, body, and soul is rejuvenated and I'm ready to go tackle the day. And when you're running a company and there's so much going on, Mondays are phenomenal. Tuesdays are really good. Wednesdays are good. Thursdays are, (laughs) Oh man. Fridays. Oh, I can't even talk. I'm so exhausted. Right. Right. Saturdays are like, ah, and then Sundays is like, okay, I'm just going to rest today. And then yeah. boom, full of energy on Monday. So right. uh, for me, it's just taking care of myself and going out and indulging what people think massages are super expensive. Let me shoot you straight. I pay $90 for a 90 minute massage and I get it once a week. So you add that up over a month. What is that? $360. I guarantee you that over 90% of the population spend that money eating out or getting Starbucks every single month. So yep. again, invest in yourself invest in your mental health. I love that. I Let's talk about that for a second, investing in yourself, because that is one thing uh, that I have not done a great job in personally. I know a lot of people, there's different ways to invest in yourself. There's different ways. Like I buy like a ton of books. Like right now I'm reading uh, Think and Grow Rich. I've yep. actually never read it before. I've seen it on like a bunch of entrepreneur lists and I've just never read the book. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to start reading it. I've only, I'm only like a chapter in, but already I'm like, this is what I was missing in my life, right? So what do you recommend to people that um, they invest in themselves, but they may not be investing in themselves the right way? Because there's, there's different, excuse me, there's different ways to invest in yourself. I know a lot of people invest in themselves in like seminars or you got a massage or whatever, but just like anything, different things work for different people. I think we get in ruts. I think we get in habits and we may be investing in ourselves in not the most effective way for you. You found like having a massage once a week. Sure. You spend $90, but that, that $90, that ROI on those on that $90 probably is exponentially larger because you did that. Right. So how do you invest in yourself in the right way? Like, how did you, how did you come to that? I really think it comes down to what sort of a learner you are. You know, when you look at the adult-based education uh, system and all the different uh, trains of thought behind that is uh, one thing that I will tell you that I've noticed in my lifetime with reading and people reading a lot of books. And you and I have talked about this before. Yeah. Uh, you're one of those uh, very sharp minds that where you read a book and you go, you know, what? this is a great concept. And then you start applying that concept. OK, so, for example, for me, um, you know, I told you about that book, Start With No, that I consider to be my Bible when it comes up yeah. to sales techniques and closing techniques and everything. Yeah. Even till this day. I have it in this backpack that sits next to me. So not only do I absorb like a sponge what's in that book, but I apply it every single day to my life. And I have this book every day with me, whether I'm on a plane, whether I'm in a close, whether I'm negotiating, it doesn't matter. And I refer to it daily. 
So the big difference between myself and other people that read books is I think people read books for two reasons. And this is just my opinion, and it's probably not a very popular opinion because <laughs> it's mine, right? right? I think people, one, read books because they want to learn more about a subject, or two, they read books because they want to um, you know, self-help in one way, shape, or form. The problem with just reading books is that, in my opinion, I think over 80 or 90 percent of people that read books just read them to read them and they feel good about themselves for like two or three days. And then they forget every concept and don't apply it. And I'm going to use a Tony Robbins seminar. So I love going to seminars. I love all this other stuff. But at the same time, I think seminars for a majority of people are completely pointless and useless. And here's why. They're very expensive. So when I go to a Tony Robbins seminar, I'm jumping around like, yeah, let's go. You know, I'm super stoked. And he gives you some extreme value. Like he just, you get soaked in value. Yeah. And you're there for like a four-day seminar and life is good. And you're like writing all these things down. Get my list out. I'm going to do this, 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 that. You get there on a Wednesday. You go home on a Sunday and you're a changed person, right? Wrong. Because Monday comes around, you're motivated. Tuesday, you're not motivated. Wednesday, you forgot about what Tony Robbins was saying. By Friday, you're on $5,000, and you're literally not applying a single concept that you learned at that seminar. So you, to, to answer your question, to circle back, you have to know what kind of a learner you are. Are you, uh, uh, are you an auditory, auditory learner where you listen to stuff? And if you listen to stuff, great. Are you a visual? Do you like reading? Do you like touching? Do you like the physical? Are you kinetic? Are you this and that? It doesn't matter what kind of learner you are. At the end of the day, you have to know how you learn, but more importantly, like what action are you taking to apply the concepts? And I'm here to tell you right now, Jamie, that 80 to 90% of people, they don't apply any of those concepts. So what's the point of spending a week reading Think and Grow Rich about life in general, about finances, about this and that, if you're not going to take any of those concepts and apply them? So here's yeah. one tip for your audience of people that might be readers and like to read a lot, because I am. And one of my mentors told me this. He said, Arnell, have one of those thick spiral notebooks that has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages in it. And I said, OK, why? Every time you read a book and you get done with a chapter, Write in there the book name, the author, the date when you read it, and put chapter one. And in a two-sentence format, just write down what you learned in that chapter. So Love if that. the book has 12 chapters in it, just take up one page in that notebook, write the book name for each chapter, just write a small synopsis or summary of what you thought were the best points. And then he goes, guess what? When you put that book away and it gets dust on the shelf or it goes into the garbage or it goes on a garage sale or whatever mm – -hmm. You now have a prized piece of personal possession that you can refer to, and it has hundreds of books that you've read. And instead of rereading them again, all you're doing is just touching base on the key points that stuck out to you. And yeah. man, that was such solid advice to me. So now, uh, one, I don't listen to audiobooks. Uh, two, I make sure I read because when I read, the sentences and the phrases that catch my eye, I just plagiarize them in my own notebook and write them down because that's what caught my eye and that's what caught my attention. So those are just some uh, gold nuggets for your people that might be uh, readers and that might just read read to read as, instead of uh, read to apply. And I think yeah. that will help them uh, read to apply. I love that, man. I totally, I love that because I, like I said, this year alone, I've read, I read 10X, I read The Way of the Wolf, 
Um, I'm re- like I said, I'm reading Thinking Grow Rich. Why no one to start with no? You told me about that one. I'm gonna. I I wasn't ready to start with no first, and I read all these like entrepreneurship, like what books to read first, and that one it wasn't always first, but it was always in the list. I was like, all right, I've got. I've been sitting on my shelf. I'm like, I gotta read this book, and so start with no's next. Like I'm a reader. And I think I retain information pretty well, and I try to apply. Maybe that's why I retain it well. It's because I do apply. That's probably it, you know. Um, but I think that's good because I know I have a lot of friends that are, like, adamant readers, but I'm not sure if they get anything out of it. There was a one quote that I heard that, you know, it, I can't remember who said it. He said, books are like the meals I've had. I can't remember a one, but they're the person I've become, you know. And I really, really like that quote because I'm like, I don't remember every single part of the book. Or maybe every way I've invested myself, every seminar. I've gone to seminars myself, but they've shaped the person I've become up to this point, right? And I think there's a lot of value in in this. You may not remember or retain all the information, but just making a short synopsis of like, look, this is the one thing that stuck out with me. And if, if that's all I do and that's all I apply, it's going to make me better today. That is such a great way to look at it because it, it honestly, yeah, I think it tones down the feeling of, being overwhelmed about that honestly because i feel like a lot of people um in this generation want to be successful and they start and they start doing all these things and they get overwhelmed and they shut down i know i felt that way before and so i think the best way to do it is to break it down a little little bit of pieces and to take it one at a time like the whole everyday edge is about right so you said start with no is is that your number one book that you recommend to people yeah, absolutely. Especially sales teams and organizations that depend heavily on revenue um, that sell a product or uh, or a service. Um, it is literally the best book that I've ever read in my life because, uh, again, kind of like your podcast, like we're doing now, it's very conversational based. It's not a used car salesman tactic. It's none of yeah. this stuff. It's not very like scripted. It's it's at the end of the day, let's be honest, man. Like I consider myself a very, very good sales uh, person. And I consider myself a very good negotiator and a closer. And at the end of the day, the reason why I consider myself very good with that, and like I said, guys, closing is not just about closing the deal. Every single day, you're closing your wife, you're closing your neighbors, you're closing um, anybody and everybody that's touching your car, that's doing this, that's fixing that, that's, you're having conversations. And if you don't know how to have a very good, fluid conversation, you're never going to be a great closer. And that's just factual. Right. That's very, very factual. And this book really lays out um, the reasons and the ideas behind why it's okay for people to tell you no, that they don't want to do business with you. And it's uh, I love I myself love hearing no, because as soon as I hear no, it gets me very excited. It's game on. Yeah, absolutely. That's the one thing that you learn in sales, man. You got to be a rejection proof because no no just means I don't have enough information. Essentially is what that means. Right. Um, I, yeah, I love that. I, like I said, I'm going to read that one next, but, uh, I, we, I appreciate that advice. I appreciate the advice to the audience. Cause I think I have personally just gotten some notes or DMs and stuff like that. Just feeling uh, people feeling overwhelmed and feeling like they don't know where to go next. And they feel like it's, um, just, I guess, confusing in some ways. My last guest I have on was Tanner Guzzi, the founder of masculine style. He's a men's fashion and confidence expert, the dude's awesome. And something that he said to me in that uh, in that interview was, he's like, it doesn't feel overwhelming when you realize everything is connected. Everything you're learning, everything you're doing is interconnected to the next piece of information, the next journey that you're on, right? Have you felt that in your life where 
whether it was being a cop or being, you know, I know, I think you said you were in, in loans and mortgages, right? Like it, those are very different careers than what you have now. And even from each other, but did you notice the connections and how each one of those steps was leveling you up to where you are now? 100%, you know, being a cop taught me a lot about strategy and tactics and being punctual and being on time and being clean cut and, you know, being tailored as far as a uniform goes. Uh, the mortgage industry taught me a lot about finance and how money works. And just because some people make an X amount of money doesn't necessarily mean that they take home an X amount of money. It doesn't mean that they don't have an X amount of debt. So absolutely, every single job that you have in your entire life should lead you to where you want to go. So to give you an example, man, when I was 16, you're gonna laugh at this, and I don't think I've ever told you this, but I worked at the craft warehouse. I worked at the what? craft warehouse. What is it, like craft, like macaroni and cheese? No, like crafts as in like stickers and crafts. Oh, I thought you said craft, like the company craft. It's called craft, craft, like craft warehouse. warehouse. Like a Hobby Lobby? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, like a Hobby yeah. Lobby. And you know what, though? Um, you know, I was working there with a couple of my high school buddies while we were in high school and stuff, and it's yeah. because one of our buddies' dad, his, uh, Kyle Bronson's dad, was the manager there and gave us all jobs. But here's right. the deal, man. I sold more freaking good-smelling candles than anybody yeah. did at that store. Right. And guess what? I didn't know two freaking things about candles, but I could, I could sell people based on – what kind of smells, what kind of perfumes they like, what kind of colognes they like. Do they like spring? Do they like summer? Do they like winter? And I would just know like, okay, these are our winter smells. These are our spring smells. These are our summer uh, smells. And I would literally slang candles all day long. And that taught me like, hey, you got to yeah. go off of what people feel. Yeah. And so now when I'm closing these huge, enormous deals with contractors and when I'm hiring people negotiating their salaries and contracts, like I get a feel for what they need, what they want, what they're looking for. And guess what? I mean, it's kind of weird to admit, but candles, selling candles when I was 16 had taught me how to sell people based on their needs and their feelings. I love that. I love that. It's all connected, man. I worked at uh, GNC when I, for a short time after I graduated high school, I worked for like a year and a half, two years, I think. Yeah, something like that. You know, I actually... Because it was when I got out of uh, basic training because I was in the reserves. I, uh, you know, I needed a job and I just walked into a GNC because I wanted to get in shape. I was like, this would be a cool place to work because I want to get in the gym, want to get in better shape. Even though when I got out of the army, I was in really good shape anyways. It was about getting bigger is what it was. Long story short is I remember working in that GNC and not knowing what the hell I was doing in form of sales. I just thought it's a retail job. People will come in and then I'll help them buy whatever they want. You know what I'm saying? They'll Dude, I was number I was number two behind the manager that had been there for like ten years. You know wow. what I'm saying? Slinging vitamins, protein. I remember one time. You ever take cellular core supplements? Yeah. yeah. Like you know, C4 and all that stuff. Uh, the one of the I think his name was Pat. I can't remember his name now. His last name, but he was like a VP of sales for cellular core. Wow. And he came into our store and sold with us, dude. We had a cellular. We had a blowout cellular core sale where you could meet. The VP of sales for Cellucor. And the dude knew everything about Cellucor. And it was awesome. And I'll never forget, uh, at the end of that night, he was like, he's like, dude, what are you doing here? I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you can sell, bro. He's like, you can see. He's like, I've seen it all day long. He's like, dude, you can freaking sell. He's like, all you need to do now is figure out where you want to go and what you want to do. You know what I'm saying? 
And so what would you say to people, and we'll start to wrap it up here because I know you probably got to get going, but um, what would you say to people that don't know what their next step is, that may know they have some talents or some skills that they have developed, whether through selling candles or vitamins, right? What would you say, what would you say to people that don't know what to, the next step to take? That's a tough question, Jamie. I'll be honest with you because it's hard to give advice to somebody that doesn't know exactly what makes them tick and what their passion is, right? And I would yeah, say for me, hard. I would say for me, it's taken 34 years of my life now to really figure out like what my next steps are and what I'm really good at. And all that stuff is what we've talked about, that accumulation of different jobs and different experiences, right? But, you know, um, there was a really cool video on YouTube by uh, Steve Harvey, and it's called Jump. And if you haven't listened to it, and, and you know, whoever else listened to this podcast, if you haven't listened to it, go do it. And um, it's very motivating and I play it every single day. And his whole concept behind that video is he talks about people pursuing their gift. Like Jamie, you're an amazing closer. You're, you're, you're tremendous at that. Like you're starting uh, to level up now to being a CEO of your own company and being an owner of a company. And so you found your gift and your gift for you, my friend, is whatever you decided to be. But in my eyes, it's you're a great closer. That's your gift. Your gift is you know how to go and sell people value, how to give people what they need. And Steve Harvey in this video talks about, he's like, pursue your gift. And he talks about one of his buddies that in college, he would just mow lawns all day long. And everybody would be like, hey, we're going out Friday night. Come on, man, let's go get drinks. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I can't make it. I, I got to go mow lawns. And Steve Harvey's like, everybody would kind of laugh at him, be like, come on, man, just take a break, come with us. And Steve Harvey's like, now that guy owns 35 different trucks and has a multi-million dollar business mowing lawns. And so Steve Harvey goes, his gift in life is mowing lawns. That's what his gift in life is. So what I urge all the people in the world to do is figure out what your gift is. And it takes a long time to get there. What are you really good at? Is it sales? Is it being a teacher? Is your gift making people feel better about themselves? Be a freaking masseuse, right? Is your gift, um, you know, uh, medical stuff, uh, working on teeth, then go become a dentist. Like figure out what your gift is without figuring out what your gift is. Life becomes very complicated and convoluted. And if you don't truly know what your gift is, now, I think there's a difference between a passion and a gift because we can have a lot of passions doesn't necessarily mean that that's what we're gifted at. Right. You have to truly dissect yourself. So here are a couple of things that I'm very gifted at. One, recruiting. I'm very good at going out, recruiting people to come join our company and selling them on the value and why they actually need us in their life. Right. Two, I'm very good at structuring. And no offense to my business partner if he listens to this uh, podcast, but he sucks at that. But he right. knows that. And that's why he sees my value uh, in one of those areas of, of building that company is structuring, right? You have to structure the foundation. You have to have it structured properly from the small items to the large items for you to survive one year, two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years of business or sell your company, right? So recruiting, structure, 
finance, right? The mortgage company, how much time I spent there, got my finances in order uh, a lot more. So it allows me to look at budgets and where are we doing with this, how much cash flow is coming in, right? So, and then just last but not least is growing companies from zero to over $10 million in revenue, right? So I know I can do that. I've proved it. So now myself, this next point that I'm trying to make for myself, my next goals, I want to grow it from 10 million to 25 to 30 to 50 to 100 million dollars a year. And that's how I challenge myself. And I know that in order to get to those points, I have to do a lot of hard things and a lot of uncomfortable things and things along those lines. But my gift is defined to be those three, four, five, six different things I've mentioned. And, you know, are all of them passion? No, absolutely not. But there's something I'm very, very good at. I'm very passionate about playing basketball. I did that this morning. But yeah. basketball isn't going to provide dinner for my family tonight because I know that I'm not good enough to be in the NBA, right? right. So my gift is what I told you about. So people, you have to go out. You have to figure out what your gift is. And then Steve Harvey says it's very simple. Once you identify your gift – you just got to jump, jump, jump all in, jump in with both feet. If you're starting a landscaping company, start freaking mowing your neighbor's lawn, your other neighbor's lawn. It doesn't matter. Just jump and go do it. I love that. I think that's, I think it's a perfect way to end, man. Just go out there and jump, figure it out. Um, I, I love that. I, don't, I, could, I couldn't say that any better myself. So hopefully um, there are members of the audience that are listening to this episode that if you already know what you're what your uh, gift is, if you already know what your gift is and you're passionate about, because let's be honest, some people have gifts, but they're not passionate about those gifts, which it sucks, but that's what it is. Some people are super passionate about, like, I love football, dude. I'm a huge football fanatic. I am not going to be an NFL player. (laughs) (laughs) This ain't going to happen, dude. Um, You know what I'm saying? But if you have a gift and that, that gift matches your passion, then you need to jump in two feet in the deep end and you need to learn how to swim it's as simple as that dude so hey uh arnell we appreciate you coming on we appreciate you being part of the everyday edge community i do want to say there's an episode of the of the podcast called find your fight i would recommend anybody go and listen to that because that actually what you just covered is what i cover in one of those episodes and it comes from an enlightening experience i had just about a month ago so go listen to that where can we find you at arnell You guys can find me on uh, Instagram um, at Nelly, N-E-L-L-Y, Katic, C-A-T-I-C. I I just want to thank you personally. I've really enjoyed this. I think you're doing amazing things, not just with your career, but this podcast, as I've told you, I went back the other day as I have time and listened to more episodes. And um, it's very motivating. Your guests are amazing. And uh, you're one of the best interviewers I've ever had a uh, privilege of uh, sitting down and talking with, man. I appreciate that, man. <laughs> Sometimes it's got to, you just got to figure it out. Like you said, you got to jump in the deep end, man. So, all right, guys. Hey, thank you for being a part of the Everyday Edge. Thank you for being a part of the community. We will catch you very soon.